Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning we sort of begin a new series. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we are going to be thinking about kingdom generosity, um, and particularly about what we treasure and how we think about money and giving. And I say sort of begin a new series, uh, because this morning we're actually going to continue in Matthew, um, as the Lord would have it, our very next passage, uh, the passage that comes next from what we were last looking at, um, takes us into this territory of kingdom generosity, and particularly it will help us think about what we treasure. We're actually going to stick with Matthew next week as well for our, crea- our special created invitational service, uh, and then we will come back the week after that to this theme of giving. So please, if you've got access to a Bible, I know there aren't any on the chairs today, but um, some of you may have seen my message yesterday at the 11th hour to bring one. If you've got one on a device, do look up Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, what we just heard being read. That will get you back to that passage that we heard and for which we're going to be spending most of our time on this morning. How many of you remember those magic eye pictures? Do you remember those? They were all the rage about, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, maybe late 90s, early 2000s. I can't, I can't quite remember. Arty shops, you know, those, I think it was Athena, maybe Pentangle, something like that. They would have these big images in the windows and uh, you would stare at the images. Or they could be in bookshops. They would, often you'd have books full of uh, these images. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, take a look at this. This is an example. Um, This is a two-dimensional image uh, that can create the optical illusion of being 3D. And so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to get as close as you can to the image. I know it's going to be difficult for you when it's up on the screens, but you're supposed to get as close as you can to the image and then slowly, by sort of staring into sort of the, the middle distance part of it and slightly blurring your eyes, move back, and then you get to see another image um, appear. That's what it was, um, was, was supposed to do. So I don't know if you remember, but, you know, you had this, these scenes in, in the high street where people were up against the, the, the glass, and then they were just sort of stepping back, trying to make it, make it all work. Or you had the book, and you were doing this with, uh, with, with the book. You can still get these images, by the way. 
Now, some people see these straight away. I'm not one of those people. They make my brain fry, actually. And I don't know whether it's possible to, to, to see this. Has anyone got it? Can anyone see the image that, that pops out? Oh, you can see a pony. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, what you're supposed to be able to see, and if you want to come up and have a look at the screen, um, we might put them on after the service or something like that, but you're supposed to see a dollar sign in that, in that picture. So that, that, you had this sort of three-dimensional dollar sign that, that, that popped out uh, uh, to you. Well, what about this one? Um, I'll just give you a couple of seconds. Uh, again, uh, it's probably not going to work when it's that high up on the screens, but uh, um, just see if you can stare into that and if anything sort of pops out. Don't worry. No, anything? Anybody got anything? No. Okay, that's what you're supposed to you're supposed to see. A heart. And I chose in those two um, examples deliberately, not least because they were the, the free ones that were most readily available on the website when I when I when I looked. But actually, that's this is these are what we're going to be thinking about today. We're going to be thinking about money, and we're going to be thinking about our hearts and how those relate. But here's the thing. These pictures, they, they, they look cool. You know, they, 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 they take our interest. We focus on them. We concentrate on them loads, but they're not real. They're not real. What we see is, is simulated. And so it's, it's attractive and it's dazzling and it's cool. Yes, but it's not real. It's a false image. And friends, when it comes to what we value most in life. This is the message that the king wants his citizens to grasp. Money, material possessions, status, they're all attractive, they're dazzling, they're fun. But if we focus on them and if we concentrate on them too much, we won't see the wonderful spiritual reality of both this life and the one to come. The stuff of this world looks cool and it promises much, but in the end, it doesn't satisfy. It can't satisfy. This is why in these verses, Jesus the King asks three questions of us. He's asking three questions of us. He's asking three questions of potential citizens of the kingdom. And this is what he's asking. Where is your treasure? What's your focus and who are you serving? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Where is your treasure? What is your focus? And who is it that you are serving? Three questions that are intrinsically linked, if you like. They'll help us to diagnose who is um, uh, really in charge of our lives. They'll help us diagnose what we really value in life. So let's get into the, into the text. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 19. Can't give you your page number of your own Bible or uh, where it is on your app, but if you can get to Matthew 6, 19, this is what Jesus says. I'll reread it for us. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Note first that Jesus begins this bit by saying, don't do something. Don't. Implication? Our natural tendency is actually to do that with which he is correcting us not to do it. 
we have a tendency to store up treasure on earth. Well, why is that? Why, why, why do we have that tendency? Partly it's because we have been captivated by the wrong picture. We're looking at the wrong picture. Rather than listen to God and rather than look at, at his word, we have been taken in by Satan's lie and we're drawn to the false things that he promises. He misuses, I think, culture to hold our stare. Look at what you could have. Look at what they have. Look at what others have. Look at what you deserve. What you should have. And so we hear these these lies, if you like, and our minds start playing tricks on us and the false picture pops out. And it holds our stare. It's there. It's, like it's popped out of the image. That's where we are. And we begin to see and believe all kinds of lies about the importance of what we value, about, about treasure on earth. Lies like these. Earthly treasure will make me happy. Earthly treasure will make me a bit more important, give me a bit more status. Earthly treasure will make me secure and give me security. Now, admittedly, we might not ever phrase it quite so starkly. We may be more sophisticated, but normally that means that we're just trying to convince ourselves, let alone anyone else, <laughs> that building treasure on earth is a, is a good thing. In other words... We're allowing ourselves to be deceived by our sophisticated reasoning. And yet if we, if we can look away from the fake picture, the one that pops out at us, and turn instead to divine wisdom on this topic, we, some, we see something very different indeed. So I'm going to encourage you just to turn back in your Bibles or look up another part if you're on, on a device uh, to, the, to the Old Testament, and to look, for example, at truth which God gave to Solomon there. So I'd like you to turn to Ecclesiastes 5 in your Bibles. Uh, if you don't know where Ecclesiastes is, if you find Psalms, that's a big chunk uh, in, uh, in the Old Testament, and then go a couple of books after that. So if you turn to Ecclesiastes 5, if you're looking on a device, it's easy because you've got the contents list as you, <laughs> as you navigate. But if you turn to Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10... Um, we'll look at some divine wisdom there. Solomon, you may remember, uh, he was invited by God to ask for, God was pleased with him, he said, look, you know, ask me whatever you, what, for whatever you want. And Solomon asks God for wisdom, which pleases God even more. And this is some of the wisdom that God gives. So, for example, he says, if you think that having more stuff will make you happy, God says in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. It's meaningless. In other words, it's absurd to think that, that money and stuff will bring us happiness. 
Or if we think that earthly treasure might make us important, you know, it make us a little bit more important, give us a little bit more status. Verse 11 of, of chapter 5 says, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner? What benefit do they have except to feast his eyes upon them? In other words, earthly treasure holds no value at all except just to look at and it doesn't last. It just runs through your fingers. Or finally, if we think that earthly treasure might increase our security, God says in verse 12 there, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. In other words, working hard is what matters. That's what will help us sleep, regardless of how much we've got. But those who are rich with earthly treasure have so much more to worry about. Little surprise, it keeps them up at night because there's just so much stuff to worry about. But it is so easy to do, isn't it? To store up treasure on earth. It's so easy to want to do. I think I'm more susceptible to the happiness lie. I don't know what, which one you were thinking you related to most. Forget more stuff. That'll actually make me a little bit more happy. Although as I get older, I can sense how I'm encouraged to keep looking at that false picture that tells me if I can get more insurance cover or a greater pension or whatever it might be. That will, you know, if I can affect my security, my future security. That's how I want to store up my treasure. What is it for you? What about you? Jesus says back in Matthew chapter 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he had some reasons why. Some very practical reasons why. Why we shouldn't store up earthly treasure for ourselves. Because moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. In other words, it's just temporary. It's not going to last. Gone, it can be gone in just an instant. Instead, verse 20, we should store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Over the years, Debs and I have seen uh, much go the way of moth uh, we haven't, sorry, we haven't seen much go the way of moth um, and, and, and rust, actually. Uh, mice and mold, on the other hand, yes, we, <laughs> we've, we've seen some stuff disappear uh, with them. But the specifics aren't really important. The point Jesus is making here is that stuff doesn't last. So why do we want more of it? It's not where happiness, it's not where importance, it's not where security ultimately lie. How can it be when thieves break in and, and can just take everything in an instant? Expect all of us will have had some experience of having something stolen here, won't we? We've all probably got some experience of that. Some of us will have experienced our homes being broken into. And the different emotions that that brings. It's deeply traumatic, isn't it? Those feelings of indignation, of anger, of violation, concern over safety. They're not inappropriate reactions when we have been burgled and someone has been into our homes. But what 
of that which is taken. Is that our treasure? Can we do without it? Or do we, would we, if that happened to us, would we grieve its loss if everything went? That's what Jesus is driving at here. Now, we do need to add a bit of balance. And the first thing uh, that we need to say in adding a bit of balance is that it is not wrong to store things up. It's not wrong. So, for example, if we go back to the Old Testament, it was wrong for the Israelites um, in, in the wilderness to collect manna and then to store it up on Sunday through to Thursday. That was wrong. But it wasn't wrong for them to collect double on Friday and store that up because they needed it for Saturday. Or consider Proverbs 30, which describes the ant as wise. Do you remember why the ant is described as wise? Because he stores up stuff, stores up food. That's why he's described as wise. And then if we bounce back into the, into the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 12 takes for granted that we have an obligation to save and look after an, uh, uh, our children. It's our duty to provide for our families if we, uh, if we are taken out of the picture. So storing up and, and saving certain things can't be bad in and of itself. Jesus is not condemning here wealth or possessions or material things Full stop, just in and of themselves. That's not what he's doing. What he is warning against is the misplaced valuing of them as treasure. What he is condemning, if you like, is the love of that earthly stuff. This is his first question. Where's your treasure? Is it on earth or is it in heaven and then second bit of balance because you may have heard some people say something like this you've got to enjoy it now because you can't take it with you when you go have you heard that you may may, i mean you may even have said it yourself you know we've got to enjoy it. you can't take it with you you've you've you know you've just got to enjoy it now well (laughs) according to what jesus is is saying here that's nonsense That's nonsense. He's saying you can take it with you when you go. It's just that first, you've got to convert it into the currency of heaven. But that is not, and I really want to stress this, I'm going to repeat it, that is not the same as saying that we can earn a place in heaven with the good things that we do and the good works that we do with our money. That's not what Jesus is saying here. This is so important to grasp. God's acceptance of us doesn't come through us being good enough to earn it. It's not like when we do enough good things, that makes God happy with us. God's acceptance of us comes through him forgiving us out of his mercy, his love and his grace. He's forgiving us all the ways that we are not good enough. It's precisely those things. We never can be good enough. So what Jesus is teaching here has nothing to do with earning salvation. So remember, Jesus, where Jesus is. Jesus is on the hill. He's on that hillside. 
He's got this dual audience, if you like. I don't, you, you remember that? He, yeah, yeah, the crowd are listening in, but primarily he is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. He's talking to people whose forgiveness, in that sense, is assured. And he's telling them to use their money and stuff in ways that will have eternal results. And what's the number one eternal result that followers of Jesus should want to see? What's the number one eternal result? Surely it's more people in the kingdom, isn't it? More people in heaven that will be with those of us who believe that Jesus is our saviour. So the gospel is not only about this life, if it is, <laughs> Paul says, well, if, it's, if this is all it is about, then, you know, yeah, we're most seriously to be pitied, Paul says. No, the gospel is the good news about this life and the eternity that is to come with God. Okay, quick question and answer, track with me here. How do people get into that eternity? How do they get to heaven? Trusting Jesus, by trusting in his death, for their forgiveness, his death in their place. So how do they come to trust in him? They come to trust in him by hearing the gospel. How do they hear the gospel? They hear the gospel through you and me, Christians, proclaiming that gospel, telling them that good news through our witness. And what enables you and me to be witnesses primarily? This. The church, local church, being part of a local church family. That is why investing in your local church is so important. It's one way of answering Jesus's question. Where is your treasure? Where is it? In fact, I would go so far to say that when it comes to giving, your local church should be your priority. Why? Because no one else is going to give to this work except you and me. No one else is going to fund what the Lord wants to do through us as a, as a, as a local expression of his worldwide family other than you and I. So you need to know that your giving here supports a huge team. And we are so blessed in this regard, aren't we, at St. John's? We really are. And it is, your giving supports not only a huge team, but a lot of resources. So without what we give, we couldn't employ our administrators that are so vital for the work that we do here. We couldn't buy paper. We couldn't heat this building. We couldn't do Friday Night Live or put on a created exhibition or do any of what we do. But you also need to know and have confidence that everything we do is with a view to that number one eternal result of seeing more people in the kingdom, more people on their way to heaven. And that's why when we come on and start asking for money and talk about faith targets and, uh, and mention figures over these next few weeks, it's absolutely essential in fulfilling our mission. It's absolutely essential if we are going to sustain gospel opportunities and create more gospel opportunities. Not least, God willing, with a youth worker. Not least with essential technology upgrades both here and in the church building. Not least with a 200th anniversary mission coming up later in the year when we celebrate 200 years of this church being 
in Hartford. Of course, there are other ways, really important other ways of using money and stuff for eternal results. I mean, think of planting other churches. How do we invest in that? Think of overseas mission. Think about relieving poverty and caring for the vulnerable in Jesus' name. There are loads of ways we can do this. There are loads of ways that we can show Jesus where our treasure is and what is important to him, uh, what is important to us. And this matters immensely to Jesus, because if you take a look at verse 21, you'll see why of Matthew 6. He says there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And by heart, Jesus is not talking about the organ that pumps the blood around the body. <laughs> okay? He's not talking about a blood pump. He's, it's a metaphor. It's a picture. He's talking about the epicenter of our bodies, the place where we decide what we're going to love. We decide what we're going to commit to. That's what he means by heart here. So can I ask you this morning, is your heart, is your epicenter in gospel ministry? Are you storing up for yourselves treasure in heaven by converting that currency? Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be thinking about other things that the Bible teaches about giving. Suffice to say, for now, that elsewhere in the New Testament, God says we should give proportionately. He says we should give regularly. He says we should give generously. All of which presupposes that we should be giving. We should be giving back to God. None of, it, none of what we have is ours anyway. So can I also encourage you? This morning, especially if you're here and you consider St. John's your church and you don't currently give to the work here, can I encourage you to think about starting to do that? It doesn't have to be a lot. Start small. Let the Lord lead you to what is right between you and him in time. That's fine. But do start Maybe just £5 a month or £50 a month, whatever is small for you. Now, of course, you may say, well, John, great idea, but actually I've got precious little to give from. And actually, truth be told, I'm in a whole heap of trouble financially with debt and loans and, and, and just, yeah, a lot of trouble. Well, if that's the case, please, can I encourage you to come and talk to either Mike uh, or myself, because there is help out there. And we can point you in the direction of some excellent Christian debt advice that will make a real difference and has made a real difference for loads of people. So please don't suffer alone. Wherever we at, we all, wherever we're all at, we need to work out what faithful obedience to Jesus looks like in this area. Even if it just means going without that, that one luxury item 
a week this week you know the the extra coffee that you don't really need or the the bottle of wine on the weekly shop or you know that redundant online subscription now that really doesn't need to be there and you just haven't haven't noticed whatever it is there are simple ways that we can start small and then for those of us who are giving regularly can i ask you this question when was the last time you stopped to review that giving When was the last time you actually thought about it? You see, circumstances may mean that you need to decrease what you give. Have you thought about that? Perhaps more likely, though, we might probably in a position, especially if we haven't thought about it for a long time, we may be in a position where we can give more generously than we have been able to do previously. Remember, we can take it with us. It's just first it needs uh, um, converting into this heavenly currency. But Jesus is asking here, which currency do you value the most? Is it the currency of earth or is it the currency of heaven? And then to help us even more, Jesus asks this second question what's your focus if you take a look at verse 22 of Matthew chapter 6 he says this the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are good your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are bad your whole body will be full of darkness how great is that darkness in other words Jesus is saying, what you focus on will help you understand what your treasure is. So, where's our gaze? What is it that we intentionally spend time looking at? Okay, let's maybe think, maybe rephrase that. To, what is it that we spend most of our time thinking about? What do we daydream about? Is it increasing our personal wealth? Is it about technology, perhaps, or improving technology in our homes? Is it about paying for the best possible education? Is it about a bigger or a better house, TV, car, whatever, fill in the blank? And then not just that, what we're thinking about, but what are we actually, then what are we, are we actually looking at? You know, what are we reading? What are we watching? What are we looking at? How are we influenced by the world's media? For example, Instagram or our magazines or our news channels or films. What is it in those that is making us want more and more and more? Or is our focus somewhere else? Is our focus on God? Is our focus on his word, on his purposes, on his will, on his complete sovereignty, on his desire that we we heard Mike saying earlier that none should be safe, uh, that none should be lost. His his patience is there, desiring none to be lost. Is that why our focus is on, on God's concerns, on his kingdom? Because if our focus is on the world, Jesus says our eyes are bad. And that will twist our priorities and our values. 
But if we focus on the king and his kingdom, our eyes are good. And being full of light, we will use the treasure God gives us. Yes, to fulfill our needs and the needs of those who are dependent on us. And that's the right thing to do. But we will also use uh, what God gives us uh, and prioritize those things that have the heavenly and the eternal results. So where is your treasure? What is your focus? And lastly, who are you serving? Because when you realize where your treasure is and what you're focused upon, that will help you to understand, to really understand who it is that you are serving. God or money? Take a look at verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says. Now, this is a picture of total ownership. It's rooted in in slavery. That's important because Jesus is not saying no one can serve two employers. He's not saying no one can serve two bosses. Clearly, you can. And we know that experience. No, this is a picture of exclusive ownership. Who owns you? And in that sense, Jesus says no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, serving both God and money, being owned by them, as it were, are mutually exclusive options. It's just not possible. You can only put your trust and your confidence in one area. This idea of being owned by money been owned by stuff, might come as a bit of a a shock to you. Can we really belong to money and what it can buy? That sounds a bit extreme, Jesus. What do you mean? Well, yes, we can. Because we might think that money and earthly treasure gives us some element of control. If we've got that, we can control our present circumstances. If we can get enough, then we can control our future circumstances but in reality if earthly treasure is our focus what Jesus is saying is that we actually become mastered by it because we worry about it or we obsess about it or we do everything we can to protect it or indeed acquire more of it and it consumes us it owns us we're driven by it And Jesus says, one way to tell who your master is, is to see who you serve with your money. It's a really powerful diagnostic tool to see how faithfully we serve the king. And so with a slight tongue in cheek to ask a few questions as we finish, our mousetraps and rust-proof paint, and increased storage space. Are those things filling your vision more than feeding the hungry? Are burglar alarms and appliance warranties and insurance, are they more important to us than caring for the vulnerable and the marginalized in society? Is the larger bank balance for the future 
Is that really a greater priority to you than funding gospel ministry now, making a difference now? Look, none of those things, all those things I've mentioned, that's why I say it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, none of them, please hear me, are wrong in and of themselves. But Jesus knows the power of earthly treasure, how it's directly related to our hearts. And he's asking you this morning, will you use that treasure for the kingdom or will you use that treasure for you? Will you use your money, your time, your house, your car, your hospitality, your gifts, your decision-making? Will you use those things to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Or will you be drawn back into that wrong picture and be captivated by it to want to see something and have something that is not real? Will your bad eyes fill you with darkness and enslave you to a master who cannot help you one bit when Jesus comes again? Well, friends, let's let's commit to storing up treasure in heaven, using this treasure that we have been given and converting it into that heavenly currency so that being full of light, full of light that radiates out from us, our good eyes, the good eyes that Jesus is talking about, will only want to love God and be devoted to him, our true king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know when we read passages of your word like this, that they do cut right down to the core that you ask very direct questions of us as we search our hearts. And so please, Holy Spirit, would you do your work amongst us as we think how we need to respond? Would you show us how we can be faithful in this area with the vast treasure that you have entrusted to us? Help us to use it wisely and faithfully for the work of your kingdom. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.